What's up, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the All American Sports Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the man from USC, a broadcasting intern named Jack Smith, a good friend of mine. Jack, any words here before we have you on? Yeah, I'm just really excited to uh, and honored to join. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. Great with the opportunity here. Uh, so Jack is the co-host of the Double Play Baseball podcast. He works as a broadcasting intern for USC. He attends the school, which I think is awesome. Um, in USC football specifically, he's worked uh, for the Cold Howard Truth podcast, the co-host, and the, uh, you know, last but not least, a Jim McKay Scholarship Award winner. This guy really does it all. Someone that I've looked up to, I've done or seen a lot of his work. I'm a big fan. And uh, Jack, kind of just explain your role at USC, how you've been really given a great opportunity, at least to me, especially this year with their recent success to cover the USC football team. Yeah, so I kind of cover the team through a couple of different avenues. So as a student, I'm a sophomore right now, I joined the student radio station as a freshman. And so doing some work with them as a freshman has allowed me to, this year as a sophomore, work on the uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame shows for our student radio broadcasts for each of the games. So on game days, that's most of the time what I'm doing. And I was also lucky enough through a class of mine that I took last year and a professor who uh, has been a mentor to me, he put my name in for an internship with 247 Sports. So the uscfootball.com is the wing of 247 Sports for the Trojans. And they were looking for a new intern to help them cover practices, do some analysis, and then help them with their podcast tunnel vision. So I was lucky enough that through that professor, they reached out to me to ask if I was interested in the internship. So I do some work with them. So, you know, a couple of the game days this year, I was shooting video for them on the field. I go to practices uh, for them and do some instant analysis content uh, video wise after each practice. Uh, But for the most part, it's the radio station for games and then 247 sports for practices and then doing some podcasts later in the week. So it's been interesting to balance because when you're on student radio, obviously you're covering it for students, kind of as students. So it's a lot more USC focused and a little bit more Homer, like I would say, but for 247, it's a lot more professional. uh, And, you know, we're not fans. We're objectively covering the team. So it was, it's been interesting to kind of dangle between those two avenues, but it was also, uh, it gave me a really unique and, and great opportunity to cover what in the end was a very interesting, chaotic, but amazing season for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I watched that heartbreaking loss to Tulane um, over the weekend, or on Monday, really. But that was, a, that was a, a tough loss, especially, you know, since it's a close game, high scoring. But they had an outstanding season, led by Caleb Williams, um, the Heisman candidate and eventual the Heisman Trophy winner. Um, but... You know, talk about kind of what goes into preparing uh, for USC football games for you and your pregame show. I know you talked about it a little bit, but, you know, what I know we see really only just a glimpse of what, you know, comes out of it. But talk about the work that goes in behind it. Yeah, so uh, pregame shows we this year I only did for home games, but I guess I can take you through the, the average week. So. On Saturday, the previous week, we have a game. I normally take a day or two to compress. Sometimes on Sunday, I'll rewatch the game because I have a podcast that I do to recap uh, the game on Sunday night. So I might rewatch it on Saturday. But for the most part, just taking it easy because Saturday was a broadcast day. Then on Monday, I'll start to look forward a little bit to the next week. 
uh, and, and whoever the opponent is on Saturday. I've got a document that I would use to fill out information for the pregame show. So Monday, I normally dedicate to clearing that out, uh, putting in some of the easy stuff like who the opponent is going to be, what time the game's going to be at, certain stuff like that. And then Monday morning is also practice, which I cover for 247. So that's uh, 8 a.m. practice. We get to watch as media members for the first 15 minutes of practice. Then we return about an hour and a half later to interview players after practice and their media availabilities. After that, I do what, what the 247 Sports calls instant analysis. So it's about a 10, 15-minute stand-up video where we just talk about what we noticed from, pra- from practice and also some of the little nuggets that we got during the player interviews. But Monday is kind of a more low-key day. Tuesday, I don't have any practice covering to do, so that's when I'll start to fill out the body of some of those uh, paragraphs on the documents or some of the bullet point notes where I look into some of the stats that matter for the upcoming week. I look at writing the intro script, um, potentially putting some notes about key players on the other team. A lot of this information is pretty easy to get on the internet. Some of it I find on Twitter. Some of it I find on the game notes, PDFs that each team makes. But Tuesday, I'll start to input a little bit of the information Wednesday is another kind of a practice day, so it's a lot like Monday, but I'm getting a little bit more serious about putting some of the notes in. Thursday and Friday, I'm kind of putting the finishing touches on the documents, and I'll end it out by writing the the big intro script for the pregame show. So right when I go on the air, it's the script that I'll read off. If I'm doing it with someone else, Friday is another day for collaboration where I kind of work with whoever I'm going to be broadcasting with. Uh, I had a couple partners that I would do it with, and just giving out kind of doling out which section is going to go to who, where we're going to want to go to commercial break. And Saturday is the big game day, so I kind of, it's pretty much my entire day, and USC had a lot of 7.30 p.m. kickoff, so it's almost my entire Saturday day and Sunday morning. But I would normally get up. uh, If it's an afternoon game, just kind of hang out, watch some college football. I remember watching the Ohio State-Michigan game on one morning, the Tennessee-Georgia game on another. And then I'll end up heading to the stadium, get there about three hours early, and kind of sit up in the press box, make sure I have all the notes completed, uh, tour the field sometimes a little bit, but then really get into the pregame show, which eventually throughout the game we do a halftime show and, and a, a postgame show that aren't re- don't require as much preparation, although I do take some notes during the game. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. And, and especially the, the 247 thing, I, I know I've, I've heard of them. I've seen a lot of their stuff. I know they're big in the college scene uh, with football and recruiting and all that. that. That sounds really cool. All, like, super cool stuff. Um, and I, I know, you know, I've also seen you interview some players. I know I saw you cover the Super Bowl. I can't even imagine was what that was like, but I imagine you do, uh, some preparation too, when you're coming up with questions for interviewing, you know, players and coaches talking to them before the game and before your shows, what goes into that process? How do you come up? And I know I kind of did the same thing here today, but how do you come up with questions, uh, for players and coaches? What's your strategy? So I guess for, I would say for USC, it ends up being pretty easy when you're following them throughout the entire season, uh, because you talk about the storyline so often, it's going to be pretty easy. Uh, so when you know, a player like Travis Dye, the running back, went out for USC in the Colorado game, yeah. since we had been covering the team the whole year, we know how we knew how important he was to the locker room. So the next week, it's, it's pretty easy to come up with the questions, you know, how is this, you, you ask some of the backup running backs, how is your role going to uh, change with Travis out. We asked some of the offensive linemen, you know, what that meant to the culture of the locker room. We asked Caleb Williams what it meant to not have Travis Dye, who was the best pass blocking running back. So a lot of those storylines, they pop up throughout the season, so it's easier. 
but for some of those one-off events, like you mentioned, uh, with the Super Bowl, where we I got to be involved in some of the press conferences for the Super Bowl uh, on Zoom last year, since it was in SoFi Stadium near USC, or we also had the NASCAR race that came by uh, the Coliseum. Some of those one-off events, it's really just doing research on the person that you know is going to be made available for an interview, and it's kind of just sometimes going with your gut feeling about what kind of an answer you think would be a newsworthy topic or just something that you think uh, readers, viewers, the audience is going to be curious about. So interviewing something that is kind of deep rooted in me, because that's something I did a lot in high school. I had a series where I interviewed one player from all of my high schools, uh, each one of the athletic teams. And that was something that I had a lot of fun, fun doing over COVID uh, for my high school community. So interviewing, it's kind of sometimes a gut feeling, um, but when you're with a team, kind of like I was with USC for this year, over the entire season, the storylines pop up and it's pretty easy to rattle off a bunch of questions that you think you'll get interesting answers. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. And obviously, I mean, all all that work you said was honored through the uh, the Jim McKay Scholarship Award. And I, I thought, I mean, I, I've seen it before and it was such a prestigious award. I, I never know, you know, the kinds of people who won it. And you were actually a winner a few years ago. And talk about, you know, how you're honored with that, you know, throughout your high school and in college career, what that really meant to you. Well, it's, it's honestly a really funny story because my mom was the one that found it. She's like, oh, you know, I think, I think you should maybe apply for this. Yeah. Like, you know what? Okay, we're in the middle of COVID. I don't really think that, I mean, I don't have a ton of stuff to do since we're not allowed to go outside in California. Yeah. It was COVID was so bad. So I filled out the scholarship. I put in a couple of uh, things that I thought would do well, like my broadcasting tape. I had a couple of videos I had done for Cold Heart Truth. One of the interviews that I did for that high school series I was telling you about, wrote a couple of paragraphs, kind of, it was right in the midst of college applications. So it just kind of felt like I was writing up an application for one of those. Yeah. And kind of, I forgot about it for a while. I had uh, gotten to the point where it was really late in the second semester, senior year, already gotten into USC, which was my dream school, got to, I, you know, I committed to, to go to USC, signed all the papers. So it was just about, just about ready to graduate. And I'm in the middle of Target walking around. I don't even remember what aisle. And I get a call from an unknown number. Thank God I picked it up. And they were saying, you know, we just wanted to, we just wanted to commend you. You've won the Jim McKay scholarship. And I was like, the, and then I remembered what it was. And I was like, oh my God, I, I, I had no idea. That I, I really wasn't, I mean, I wasn't expecting to win because it's only, yeah. it was only, you know, one student nationwide. And I, you know, I never really thought it was going to be me. And so it was, it was really cool. It was something I'm super honored with. I'll probably never forget. Um, unfortunately, it was during COVID. So I didn't get to go out to New York or Washington, D.C., wherever yeah. they had, were planning on filming it that year. But got to have people over, watch the ceremony online. Getting to hear Mike Tirico call my name was something just really surreal. And uh, it's something that you know, I'll never forget. And it was, it was a really big honor. Yeah, that's, that's, cr- that's a crazy story. I, I can't believe you remember all that. That's awesome. Um, and I guess I would just say moving from, you know, as, as you kind of made that transition, you talked about from high school to college, has anything changed really in, in your approach? Or are you still kind of, I know you've obviously learned some stuff. You know, what's your experience been like, you know, doing all this work for the university and, you know, talk about what that has changed. Talk about what has changed for you specifically. It's, it's hard to nail down exactly what has yeah. changed. I mean, I definitely being in college at, at USC, I'm not, I'm not the only person that's interested in this. Like I was in high school, like my high school, we had, we had a club, but we didn't have a ton of people that were really interested in broadcast or anything like that. 
USC, we've got a pretty good population. Uh, you know, it's a really big school, so there's so many talented people around, and that means there's going to be really talented broadcasters. And I've had the fortune of sitting behind uh, a senior. There's a, there's an, another junior above me too, and got a couple of other sophomores who are really interested in sports journalism. So it you know have to be a little bit more competitive, but there's also you know a lot more talented students and peers around me to learn from. Um, another thing that I would kind of point out is while this was important as high school as well, I think there's an extra emphasis on being a professional in college because yeah. you know, I've had the chance to intern for 247, which has a, you know, a purely adult fan base for the most part. So having to learn to kind of trial by fire, be a professional journalist um, during that internship, as opposed to high school, where while I was making things that I was happy about, they were really only getting watched by students or parents. And so it was, you know, less of an importance for me to be a true professional journalist and handle everything like uh, all my coworkers were. So it's something that uh, I've definitely had to learn. But I think for the most part, having so many talented peers around me as well, and uh, I guess, a, I don't know what I would call it, but a campus that it really recommends that you take upon um, those kind of successful internships and opportunities and everyone around you is seizing these big opportunities. It's both, uh, competitive, but also really inspiring at the same time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, yeah, I love you describe that well worded. Definitely, and I mean, obviously, talking about your experience at college, you've kind of seen it from an interesting perspective, or really different from anyone else. I mean, you've had a bird's eye view in the press uh, uh, press box, and obviously, you're down on the field with the players and the coaches. You've seen it all for USC, and the Pac-12 is certainly an improving. Uh, in more competitive conference, especially with Deion Sanders coming in next year with Colorado. Uh, so, you know, what do you envision for the USC Trojans next year as a football team? You know, I think his answer might have been a lot different with four minutes left in the Cotton Bowl when USC <laughs> was up 15. Yeah, um, I, agree. I, I think I think everyone knew when Lincoln Riley took over that he would have a lot of work to do. And then yeah. I think conversely when they were going into the Pac-12 championship game with just one loss by only one point everyone thought that things might take off way quicker than they would have assumed when Lincoln Riley took over now after the last two games of the season both being games where the defense really collapsed and USC ended up losing both of them I think it kind of mellowed out where it's a three it's a three loss season which I think if you told people before the season that they would USC would only lose three games people would be impressed by that but the way it happened towards the end, there might be a little more disappointment than you would associate normally with a three-win season, especially yeah. coming off that four and eight year. So I think that USC is going to have some demons they're going to have to, uh, I guess, fight through this offseason. But I still think it's a really talented roster. You're going to have the first real recruiting class manned by Lincoln Riley and his coaching staff coming in where you've got two five-star wide receivers. You've got a couple four-star DNs from the East Coast. Uh, and a lot of talent in other positions, and you're returning the best player in college football. So I, you know, I think they're clearly going to be right at the top of the Pac-12 again. I think they're going to be playoff contenders yet again, like they were this year. The questions will just be: Can the defense take a step up? What are the kind of changes Lincoln Riley is going to make? Because they they did come so close, and even though that wasn't what was expected this year, ex- expectations can change when you start to win as many games as you do. Yeah. And the Pac-12 and the you know the, the players and the teams on USC schedule, they're not getting easier. So USC is going to have to respond. They're going to have to have another great offseason 
But I think that they should write, be, be right up there at the top of the national conversation and definitely the Pac-12 conversation next year. But they still have room to grow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I don't think, I mean, I know USC is talented. They've been talented. But I don't think anyone really envisioned that quick of a turnaround for Lincoln Riley. You know, coming over with Caleb Williams, they really transformed into, once again, a powerhouse, uh, especially at the top of that Pac-12. And it's going to be interesting next year. I know you talked about, you know, going through your notes. You've spent a lot of work covering this team. And we know the stars of the show, like Caleb Williams, you know, the big recruits. But any kind of more under-the-radar players we should keep an eye on that are really breakout candidates for next year on the team? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I think that there are a couple guys who are going to step up. And I think there's a couple guys that are coming in in the recruiting class they are going to take a big step forward uh in the linebacker room eric gentry who played it was a transfer from asu and dealt with some injuries throughout the season he's a really unconventional uh linebacker he's got a wingspan longer than lebron james is <laughs> he dealt with some injuries but he was a freshman all-american i think that he could break out next year uh on the offensive side you saw it a little bit in the cotton bowl running back relief brown a five-star prospect from modern day just a year ago I think is going to be the, the lead running back for USC. And he's so elusive as a pass catcher. I think he offers a ton of speed and explosiveness. He played well in the Cotton Bowl. I think you could take, see him take a step forward. Also, because USC, I think, is going to be losing uh, both of their uh, senior running backs in Travis Dye and Austin Jones. Yeah. And then Zachariah Branch, who's an incoming true freshman, just won MVP at the Under, uh, the Under Armour All-American Showcase. Wow. One of the best players uh, really in all of high school football, probably the best athlete uh, and wide receiver in the high school class. He could come in and, and absolutely dominate for USC and Lincoln Riley's system. So I think there's definitely some guys who are going to take steps up next year. And there's probably a couple that are even under my radar right now. They're going to take a step up because that's really what USC had this year where they had so many wide receivers play well. They had a couple corners that came out from under the radar. I think there's a lot of players on the USC roster that could take some steps up. I think those are the ones I named are the ones I would expect it from the most, but I also think there are a couple that could shock even me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, keep an eye on those guys next year. I like it a lot. But we know, aside from those guys, really the star of the show and the driving force behind this team is, of course, the Heisman winner, Caleb Williams. And I know he's only a sophomore right now, but all the talk is about this quarterback class. And not only this year coming into the draft, but really next year, it seems like a absolutely stacked group. And Caleb Williams might be at the very top. And I wanted to get your thoughts. I know it's hard to really predict the transition from the college level to the NFL because um, we haven't seen him there yet. And he's still super young. But what do you see in Caleb Williams? How do you see him um, you know, transforming his game to really ascend at the next level in the NFL. Yeah, I think, I, you know, you see there's been a lot of crazy comments about Caleb Williams, people comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I've seen, that's, Sean, that's crazy. <laughs> Sean, Sean Payton saying that there might be, you know, a draft lottery for a player like Caleb Williams. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that I definitely see it. You never want to compare someone to a Patrick Mahomes because it's going to be hard for anyone to live up to that kind of a ceiling. Yeah, that's but just unfair. Caleb Williams... With Caleb Williams, I think he brings such a high ceiling and a very high floor as well. There isn't really a hole in his game that I've seen. Sometimes early in the season, he would hold the ball a little bit too long. But with his elusiveness, like you saw in games like the UCLA game, the Notre Dame game, even sometimes uh, against Utah when he hadn't had that hamstring injury, he he doesn't have many holes in his game. He can hit the easy throws. He can hit the throws that 
No one else can. He can run the ball. I mean, he, and he's not small like a Kyler Murray is, and despite being able to run as well as he does. So I think he is the total package. I think he would go number one in this draft class this year, if possible. I think he should be the betting favorite to go number one next year. And also, I mean, Lincoln Riley just has has that connection putting quarterbacks in the NFL. So who knows if Caleb's going to be able to replicate what a miraculous season he had this year. But if there's anyone that I would bet on in the country, I think Caleb Williams is right at the top of that list because he hasn't had a time yet where he's proven he can't get it done. He pretty much won the game for USC in every game this year. The only down game he really had was against Oregon State, and he still made the play to win it at the end. So I I think that Caleb Williams is a next-level prospect. I think he's going to be a very hot commodity next year, and he should be right at the top of the Heisman list as a, a, a junior next year as well. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And, you know, I like the confidence in him as well. I, I share it too. But really, especially when you could pinpoint out, like, those, like, little issues, like maybe holding the ball too long for a game or two, I think that shows, you know, just in, in there how talented of a quarterback this guy is. Really just an all-around phenomenal prospect uh, to go into the NFL level next year. Uh, Jack, you know, I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, I loved having you on, man. I definitely would be down to do it again. Uh, any last words before you head out? Well, no, I, I, I mean, I loved it. Thank you so much for having me on and watching my stuff for so long. I'd definitely be down to come back, maybe talk some baseball. I don't know how much of a baseball fan you are. But oh, yeah. No, I'd be, I'd be down for that. College football and baseball are, yeah. you know, my two loves. So I'd love to, to hop back on at any point. And I wish you luck uh, trying to figure out where you want to go to college and, and blazing your own path because I think uh, you've definitely got a spot in the broadcasting world. Yeah, thank you very much, man. I appreciate having you on. And definitely baseball. I'd be da- I mean, I'm hyped up as a Red Sox fan from Boston who uh, just signed Rafael Devers to a major contract extension. I'd be down to talk some on that. But uh, Jack, thank you for having uh, Thank you for coming on to the podcast today. I really loved having you. And uh, we'll see you guys later.